If you would, just go ahead and say, say, I've been set free. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. I need to go ahead and tell you, um, here's one of the great things, and this is for you guys who maybe you're not normally here, maybe you're here with a friend or a guest uh, or a family member. One of the great things about Chapel Point is what you see today, uh, we haven't changed anything. It's who we are every day because we serve the same Jesus every day. Um, We had to shuttle some people in and we added some chairs. That's what we changed about today. And they have food in the back for the praise team. Um, So I came early and I've eaten three times. Um, That's all that we've changed um, because our God is good every day. Um, I want to begin just by reading for you the word of God this morning. There is no greater way to begin And it says for us in Luke chapter 24, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Now let me go ahead and tell you, that stone would have weighed about two tons, about 4,000 pounds. These women didn't move this, this stone. All of a sudden they're coming up and they're discovering this very thing and you know that they're just, they're trying to figure out, wait a second, what's going on? What's going on? Because they come and here are these soldiers and the soldiers are unconscious and the stone's been moved away and all of a sudden we find two men, angels, who's standing there before them. And it tells us in verse 5 and following, it says, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. The women bowed down. They knew something holy was taking place. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now please hear that question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I'll go ahead and tell you the reason so many people are confused in the world today is because they keep trying to find life in the dead. You will not find life in the dead. That's why it's so important to acknowledge that Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive. And he says, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? To me, the second half of the uh, sixth verse that we find here, that question serves as a wake-up call for many of us today. Remember, like he just said, don't you remember? Don't you understand? He spoke to you about this over and over again. Don't you remember? Don't you understand? Did you not listen? How many of us struggle listening sometimes? Don't, didn't you listen? Don't you believe in what was spoken to you? He's not here. Jesus had risen. He was alive and the tomb was empty. He had risen and the tomb was empty. Now, I'm going to again tell you, that's where the world struggles. There is nobody today who can deny the existence of Jesus. 
Historians everywhere around the world, it doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter if they're an atheist, you cannot deny the existence of Jesus. In fact, they won't even deny, no one would deny the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified. It's noted historically, you cannot deny it. It doesn't matter where you go and where you research it. You cannot deny that Jesus lived on this earth. You cannot deny that he even died. And he died in a horrific way, especially for a Jew, crucifixion. You can't argue that point. Where the disbelief, the non-belief starts happening is when people start saying that, you know what? He rose from the dead. That's where our, our belief starts to struggle and wean. Here's the reason why. We struggle with any kind of belief because we're self-righteous. We question everybody at, at any time for anything, right? I remember when I was in high school, just like three years ago, and I was, there was this guy, did you hear that? I was, I'm continuing that line about age today. Um, and there's this guy who was shorter than me, and I'm a whopping 5'10 and 1'16th, and he's like 5'8, five, 5'9, five, and he's like, oh, well, you know, I can dunk. I was like, yeah, like a 7-foot goal, maybe. He said, no, like a 10-foot goal. I said, no, you can't. And literally, I just thought he was lying to me. I was like, man, you're, quit lying to people because it's not even cool. Like, don't do that. And, of course, about two weeks later, I see him in the gym, and uh, I go, yeah, I want to see you dunk. The guy could dunk and I didn't believe him right like I didn't even believe that somebody could dunk a basketball other ones other people will come to me and they'll tell you something they're like hey I can do this you're like no you can't there's no way you can do that like even today like I do it with my own kids my my kids double dog dare me all the time like I I bet you can't hold your breath for three minutes under the water yeah I can and so like there I go right and you don't believe each other and you really don't believe each other until what You see it happen. And the reason I talk about holding breath and dunking a basketball, those are small things. We struggle believing in the small things, much less believing in the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's why we struggle so much with it. We don't believe anyone. You start dating someone early in life and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, the first time they tell you, you're waiting to hear the words and they speak these words that are so powerful and they look at you, three words, what do they say for the very first time and you're all giddy about it, they go, what? What do they say? I love you, yes. And even then you start playing that game in your, your mind, right? Well, do they really mean it? I don't know if I believe them. We doubt naturally because of our sin. It's time for us to stop doubting and to start believing. And so here we find this struggle. And we need to start believing because there are so many people who think that they are safe before God and they're not. They're not. Why? Because honestly, today in today's world and the way that we speak about Christ and the way that we do church, it leads into something that I call spiritual deception. Where we're playing games, we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves because we don't really believe. We want to believe just enough to make sure we have eternal life in case it's real. But it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. 
we have to believe more than just in a ritual. We have to believe more than just in a routine. We have to believe more than just doing the right thing. There is more. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to believe in his truth. We have to believe that he is alive. There's a passage I think is so, uh, it, it just does a phenomenal, a marvelous job helping us to understand this. And it's in Colossians chapter 1. Now, I know Luke 24, uh, and I'll be coming back to it, is a traditional passage on Easter, um, but I've never been called traditional. And so um, I want us to go to Colossians chapter 1 real quick. So if you have the Word of God, I would love for you to open it up this morning. If you don't have one, um, there's some stands along the aisles, and you can grab one if and if you want to take it home, take it home. If you have a friend without a Bible, take it. We order them all the time. They keep dis- disappearing. That's a wonderful thing. And give them away. It's Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to begin with verse 13 as I just walk through some of this text today. It says, for, and this is Colossians 1, 13 and 14. It's in the New Testament there. Uh, go to the index, whatever you need to do, table of contents there. You can find out where it is there in the New Testament. Um, and... Uh, Colossians chapter 1. This is written by uh, Paul. And this is what he says. He says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to I process for you in a very simple way what I've think verse 13 is saying again for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son in which he loves here's what it says we can't deliver ourselves Jesus delivered us that's what that is saying you can't do it yourself only Jesus Christ can deliver you meaning this you better believe you better believe You see, true belief forces radical change because you have been set free from the dominion of darkness. Someone cannot come and say, you know what, I now believe in Jesus Christ. And then they say, they stay the same. Because why? Colossians chapter 1 tells us that we have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and that we have been brought into the kingdom of his son. We have been redeemed. And some of the biggest struggle that we have is so often in our country, in our world today, in the United States of America at least, when we go to church as young people, we think going to church is really about three things. We think it's really about three things. We think it's about sex. Hey, maybe I just can't have premarital sex. I can't do that. And so as long as we don't do that, we're good. We think it's about beer. As long as I don't drink too much, at least on Saturday night, then I'm good to go. And as long as I don't have too much lust and alcohol in my life, I'm going to be okay. And we keep thinking that as long as we're good enough, as long as we don't do too much bad, that's even the biggest struggle, as we've moved from being good enough to as long as I don't do too much wrong. Well, guys, it's about more than that because you're going to mess up. Let me tell you right now. Here's my word of encouragement today. You're a wretched sinner. You're going to mess up. Here's my word of encouragement that goes with that is Jesus Christ gives you something called grace. 
And so when you recognize that you're a sinner and that you've fallen and that you've, you've messed up and you're going to mess up, then all of a sudden you start striving to live according to Christ, not out of guilt, but out of a grace and a love that you recognize that God has. Why? Because he conquered the dominion of darkness for you and he substituted everything to give you his son. Do you believe that you need God? Why? Because in the giving of his son, Jesus, you recognize Jesus has actively redeemed us, brought us into his light out of the darkness, that vicious cycle that we live in. We live in that cycle and we just, we're, the, we're the hamster running around the wheel and it seems like we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And the majority of those people live like that because they've never stopped to live in God's grace. Here's what the dictionary says the word redemption is. It's a powerful word. It says redemption, the action of saving or being saved from sin or from evil. He has saved us. Continues on in verse 15 and following. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Isn't that where we struggle? The invisible, but it addresses it even more. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. God created the visible. We like the visible. I want to see my friend dunk. I like the visible, and then I believe. But you know what? It says that he also created the invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Hear me say this. All things were created for him and through him. You were created for God. Just stop for a moment. I want you to think about that. Like just to yourself. Just think, I was created for God. You were created for God. It continues and it lets us know that He's before all things, and in him all things are held together, and he's just this marvelous God. He says he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So why? So that in everything he might have supremacy. Jesus Christ is to have supremacy, authority over every single thing. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. I'm perplexed by how many people don't think it's real. I truly am. I mean, when you really begin to study it, let's take an academic approach to it, right? Let's allow our minds to get in the way of belief. The definition of faith means that you believe in something that basically you don't understand, that is not visible. That's the definition of faith. I'm perplexed as to why there are so many people who have no faith. And yet, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and that's when you see, even after his ascension, he was here on earth for 40 days, he ascends, we find that in Acts chapter 1, and then it is that moment um, when he then later on gives the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, and it starts to transform everything, and for years and years and years, decades and decades, his disciples are giving everything in their life in order to show that the resurrection was real. 
decades later, they're continuing to do this. Peter, I'll give you an example. Here's Peter. Peter kept living out Jesus in such a bold way, he got crucified upside down. John, John was boiled alive. But you know what? After being boiled alive, he didn't die, and so it freaked him out so much, they sent him to an island to live and to die. It doesn't even start there. James, the brother of Jesus, he was thrown down from the Temple Mount. Thrown down from the Temple Mount, but he didn't die. broke his legs. And you know what he began to do after he broke his legs? He began to preach that his brother, Jesus Christ, was the Messiah. And so they took sticks and they stabbed him and they killed him. This is decades later. You don't live that kind of life out of grief. You live it because there has been victory and a resurrection. And so many people today, they're wondering why they're struggling, wondering why they're hurting. It's because we're living out of grief and we're not living out of life. Jesus can redeem anyone from anything at any time. We need to stop living in grief. Even in verse 20 when it says, through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. Let me tell you what that means. There will be a cosmic renewal through Jesus Christ. The rising of Jesus from the dead means that we can rise up in our own life. The rising of Jesus from the dead means that we can rise up in our own life. We can, we can move beyond the junk that always holds us down and that holds us back and beats us up. Why? Because your sin has alienated you from God. But Jesus has reconciled it. In fact, if you go back to Luke chapter 24, I know I'm going super, super fast. But in Luke chapter 24, 9 through 12, it says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things that they had witnessed. These are the ladies, okay? They come back from the tomb, and they begin to tell them all these things to the 11 and to, to the, all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But you know what? They did not believe the women. Why? Because they hadn't seen their friend dunk a basketball. They had not witnessed it for themselves. Why? Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. But Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. With this incredible news, Peter and John immediately raced to the tomb. So this is amazing to me. Here's Jesus Christ, and he's no longer in the tomb, right? Jesus Christ is there, and the disciples run up. Peter, he's the guy, one of his best friends, had just denied him three days earlier, three different times. He's the guy who said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And, of course, three times he denies him. Now, I'm talking about redemption. Jesus Christ still came, and he used Peter to build his church. I told you God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. But here comes Peter, and he runs into the tomb, and what does he find? He finds these strips of linen. Now, this is where I really want you to pay attention. He finds these strips of linen, and he just starts to wonder what happened. What, what took place? 
And you see, I think a lot of us, we get to the empty tomb okay. Like even historians, everybody will tell you, then Jesus' body was gone. Nobody can even deny that. They, what, what, what they deny is how he went away. Was his body stolen? Was it taken? Whatever it was. And so we run into the tomb. We're Peter, right? Imagine yourself being Peter. We're Peter. We run into the tomb and we find it and then we never leave the tomb. You see, I think most of us today, we're living in the tomb. We haven't allowed our belief to well up within us in a way that forces us to run out of the tomb and then to tell the entire world, you know what, my life is now upside down because I've been freed from my sin. I've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where we don't go. We hang out in the tomb. And I think we even make the tomb a spiritual storage unit. Like what we've done is we've, run in, we've ran into the tomb and that's where we like store all the other stuff. Maybe you have a, st- a storage unit for all your other stuff or you have to store a boat or you have to store you know, your other furniture or whatever it is. And we have this spiritual storage unit and that's where now today, you know what we keep there? We keep grief and we keep hostility and we keep anger and bitterness, and resentfulness. We keep stuff that happened so long ago. And man, we're good. We just hang it over people's heads. Well, you did this to me before. Which is really saying, I don't believe that God can redeem you. And so we have this tomb that's this spiritual storage unit where we just keep all of our crap. Don't worry, the kids are downstairs. So we keep all of our crap. And we won't move beyond it. Please hear me tell you, if you get anything today, please hear this. You don't have to live in the tomb anymore. Jesus isn't there. Quit looking around. He's not there. You don't have to live in the tomb anymore. The rising of Jesus from the dead means that we can rise up in our own lives. You don't have to live in the tomb anymore. You can release that bitterness and that hatred and that anger and that grief. And you can release so many things. And you can start to rise up in areas of your life you've never dreamed that you could rise up. You could rise up in your marriage, which you gave up on long ago. And recognize that Jesus Christ can redeem anything. You could rise up when it comes to the way you treat your parents or the way your, maybe the way you treat your children. You can rise up above relationships that you've given up on. You can rise up after you've given up on being a positive influence, a witness of Jesus Christ in your place of work. You've given up. You can rise up above that. You can rise up above the grief and the bitterness and the resentfulness and the anger and just the solitude that you've created spiritually in your own life. You don't have to live in the tomb anymore. You see, that was me. For 25 years, I've been pastoring. It was probably only, I I better be careful, the elders are in here. It was only probably a few months ago. 
I stopped living, I stopped living from guilt. Right? I've always felt, everybody told me, you've got to preach, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. You can lead this, and you can do this, and, you, and everybody, and I felt like if I didn't do it, I was just, I had this weight of guilt on me. And I've, you know what? You know what I did a few months ago? I ran out of the tomb. I ran out of the tomb. Isn't that good? You know how good I feel? My wife is constantly looking at me and saying, just calm down. Right? But I don't have this weight on me anymore because I don't have to live in the tomb. Isn't that good news? And so many of you friends came up here and they shared with you how they've been living in this tomb and you don't have to live in that tomb. They've been set free. And everybody here, I'm telling you, if we've all been set free in Jesus Christ, listen, we don't have enough chairs. We've been set free. And if you would recognize, if you would just start believing, start the journey of believing, start the journey of believing, of giving up all those other things. God, I will not live in my grief anymore. I have been set free. I will not live in that hatred anymore. I will be set free. Start making the journey of stepping out of the tomb. Run out of the tomb. You don't have to live in the tomb anymore. You can rise up. I don't have to live in the tomb anymore. Say that. I don't have to live in the tomb anymore. Now, if you would, please say it as though you mean it. I don't have to live in the tomb anymore. The rising of Jesus means we can rise up. I want you to listen to this song that Rachel's going to sing. And I want you to just let it soak in. As maybe you start to grasp what it is to run out of the tomb. And maybe you'll start to rise up. Broken down and tired Living life on a merry-go-round And you can't find the fighter But I see it in you So we gonna walk it out And ooh, mountains We gonna walk it out And And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid I'll rise up, and I'll do it a thousand times again And I'll rise up, I like the waves I'll rise up, in spite of the
rise up. For you and I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day. to live in the tomb anymore will you rise up and let Christ free you from all that because when that happens you're going to you're going to be in the tomb you're going to be looking looking at the linen and then you're going to be taking a, a look at all your organized crud that you have you've even organized it right anybody organize their spiritual storage locker like here's the junk over here here's the grief here's the hostility here's the anxiety here's the depression right and you're going to look at that, and you're going, to, you're going to recognize that Jesus Christ on the cross, it doesn't say, hey, I'm going to free you from that for a moment. You know what the death of Jesus Christ means for all those things? It means that he annihilated them. 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 He, yes, for you personally. He annihilated them. That's what he did. And you're going you're gonna to recognize that and you're going to take off running out of that tomb. And you're going to start to praise him and to worship him. Psalm 67, let all the peoples praise his name. Hallelujah. Let all the peoples praise his name for he is worthy. Let all the peoples praise his name because he is the son of God. Run out of the tomb and praise his name. May that be our declaration. May that be our promise. Knowing that we don't have to live in the tomb anymore. Let's sing this together and praise his name. They were perplexed. They were looking around and he asked the question, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why? He's not here. He is risen. Get out of the tomb. He's not there. He's not there. He has risen. He is risen. Live in the fact that He has risen. May His face shine upon you. May He bless you so that you will praise Him. May you go in his love and in his power, his strength. And may you run out of the tomb like never before. Many blessings.